appreciate your coming. I wondered how many might make it back to a one o'clock service after two hours this morning, and I know you had to do a lot of uh, arranging for your own schedule to be able to be back. And that you're not so weary in the flesh, but that you come again and listen to more of the Word of God. It's been a great joy for us. I know that all of us, as adults at least, recognize that on our pilgrim walk, there are just times where we're tested. Our faith is tested. The devil has a way of causing various kinds of problems or situations, disappointments or frustrations, and our faith is tested, and we're tried. How do we handle those trials? How is it that we continue to keep on keeping on? I want to share with you some thoughts this afternoon from Hebrews chapter 11. That road call of faithful men and women. The story about Abraham stands out in Hebrews 11. And I think there are just some such valuable principles that, that uh, help us when we look at how it was that Abraham continued on. I, I would say that none of us have the kind of test of his faith that uh, Abraham had. But let's look at it. Beginning in Hebrews 11 verse 8. The scripture says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child, and she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith Abraham, when he was tested and offered up Isaac, and, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Why was it that Abraham was able to continue faithful all the way through? I think easily we can see the principle stated that he was, he was looking for the city whose builder and maker is God. The underlying principle of his life. Perhaps reading, as we've just done, it didn't take us long to read through that text, did it? But you stop and think how many years it really involved in the story of Abraham. There were three significant tests, and you might say probably maybe 25 years apart with each of these different tests. The first one is described in, in verse 8, 
Abraham obeyed when he was called to go after the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And notice he went out not knowing whether he went. Now you, you, you start off with that very fact that he did not know. He had no map of that area. He had no friends who lived there in advance who could tell him all about it. He, he went because God called him to go. You, you think about the, the kind of, of attitude that would say, if God said do it, I'm going to go, even though I don't know exactly where he's going. You ever made a trip like that? Some years ago, well, stop and think about it. It's been 50 years ago. Arlene and I are three oldest children at that time. The oldest at that time was only five, three, and one. And we moved to Sydney, Australia for two and a half years to work. But we knew something about Sydney, Australia. We had seen maps, we had seen pictures, we had correspondence with the couple that were there. And, and so while it was quite a trip, and in fact, back at that time, there was no internet going and we'd write a letter and take two weeks to get the answer, but we did get an answer. And we were in contact with family and friends even back in the States. Totally unlike what Abraham did. The fact that, that Abraham went out and, and wasn't told exactly all that he's going to face, but because God made a promise to him, Abraham went. In Acts chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, we're told there even the age that Abraham was. He was 75 years of age. Beginning verse 1, the high priest said, are, are these things so? And he said, Brethren and fathers, listen. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran, and said to him, Get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. Then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved him to this land in which you now dwell. God gave him no inheritance in it, not even enough to set his foot on. But even when Abraham had no child, he promised to give it to him for a possession and to his descendants after him. Now think, what does he say? Here he is, 75. He has no children, but God has called him to go and to go to a land that he said, I'm, I'm going to give it to you. In fact, I'm going to make of you a, a great nation to follow. Perhaps you are certainly aware how that this very promise is, is recorded in Genesis chapter 12. And there were three significant steps of this promise. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, God told Abraham, get out of your country from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you. Make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's number one. Abraham, are you ready to go? At age 75, after his father died, he departed from Haran. And he goes to the land of Canaan, go up in the southernmost part. The Hebrew letter, or the Acts chapter 7 that we read, said he had no inheritance in it. Although God had promised, Abram, if you go, I'm going to give you a land. You know, he never owned any part of Canaan. All he owned was the cave of Machpelah, which he bought as a burial place for his wife. 
But here he was dwelling in this land. Now what we later know is that he he lived a hundred years in Canaan, where he died at age 175. But all that period of time, he is as though dwelling in tents, dwelling in a place that God had led him to. A place where God, of course, promised this would be the land for his, his descendants. But Abraham himself had to go with the confidence that God would keep his word. Test number one. I say that's a pretty big test. What if? What if? You know, we had an obligation like that. If God would speak to us and say, come on, I want you to go. And I'll show you. But you just have to trust in me, absolutely. But that wasn't the only test. He also promised that of his lineage, he was going to bless all families of the earth. So Abraham and Sarah, who had no children, now are promised children. Well, here's a man of faith, so he picks up and he moves to, to Canaan, to the land. And uh, probably nine months later, child will be born, right? Well, maybe at least a year and a half later, two years, five years. It's ten years later that Sarah gives her handmaid to Abram that he might have at least some lineage, uh, some child. In fact, that second test, even Sarah was past age at the time God promised. She was, if he's 75, she's 65 when they'd have heard. So you, you don't really blame them. In, in fact, you can, from a human point of view, see, well, how it was that in Genesis chapter 16, she, she gives the handmaiden, Hagar, and Ishmael is born. And it's only then, of course, that God again announces, no, it's not going to be through Hagar. It is going to be through Sarah that the promised seed should come. Abraham is put to the test. In fact, in chapter 11, it is sometimes said in verses 11 and 12 that the two really go together in translation when it says, by faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. She bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful to a promise. It took both Abraham and Sarah, even at that point. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand, which is by the seashore. But innumerable? Here is one son, Ishmael, and that's not the promised son. And finally, at age 100, Isaac is born. Here's the promised son. But a number, innumerable. A nation, when Abraham died at 175, his oldest grandson, Jacob and Esau, were only 15 years old. Isaac was 60 before he, his sons were born. And so you add that if, if he, Abraham was 100 when Isaac is born and Isaac's 60, he's 160 years old when Jacob and Esau are born and he dies at 175. So here again, you stop now. Place yourself in Abraham's shoes. God has promised the son, he finally, he was born. And the number is going to be innumerable, like the stars of the sky, the sand by the seashore. Abraham continued faithful, even though 
he really, in reality, didn't see that, oh, I've already got a huge family. Some asked me last night how many children I had, and I said, I have 30. And he's like, what do you mean I've got 30? And I, of course, as you know, I, I do accounting. I said, well, Arlene and I are blessed with four. Those four are married. We have 11 grandchildren, and they married. And we have eight great-grandchildren, two more on the way. And you add all that up, even those that are not blood relatives, but married relatives, they are all important to me. They're like my children. If, if any one of them has a problem, we share it. We pray for them, and we care for them, and we're concerned about them. Abraham didn't have any more than he had two grandsons. You might say, well, okay, let's count Isaac, and let's count his wife. Rebecca, and then let's count the two sons, and that's four. That's certainly not innumerable. That's certainly not like the sand by the seashore. But then if you add all that, why would he keep on keeping on? Now, he's already spent 25 years in this land, and then he goes further in his son's boy because he was fully convinced. Passage in Romans, Romans chapter 4 great chapter where Abraham is described as the father of the faithful. But the, the, the language that's used in verses 19 to 21, it says, he not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced at what he had promised, he was also able to perform. So now, I like the wording in the old King James book. King James translation says, he did not stagger at the promise of God. Somehow that word just so fits me better. I like the idea. He didn't waver, <coughs> no, he didn't even stagger at what God said. Abraham was convinced that's what will take place. So Abraham and Sarah were blessed with the birth of Isaac when she's 90 and he's at 100. Well, back within itself, you might say, look, Lord, we've, we've done, we've fulfilled your promise recorded in Genesis 12. You've given us the land. We're in the land. We believe it will be to our children in time to come. And, and of this, now we have the, the seed, that is the, the lineage, the family now. And, and through that, the promised Messiah will come through whom you'll bless all families. What more is there to be to prove the faith? Yet Abraham, as you know, had yet another test. The third test, back in chapter 11, verses 17 through 19, and you might say perhaps the most stunning of all, that in verse 17, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac, your seed shall be called, including that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. He believed, what? That God would provide. Well, what a sense of, of assurance. He didn't stagger God's promise. He didn't waver. Fully convinced that God said that's what's going to take place. When you go back and you read in Genesis chapter 22, when God told him to go up and offer his son Isaac, it was the next day he was ready to go. As a human being, we might have stopped and said, no, you know, Lord, it, it took some time before Isaac was even born. 
25 years from the time he made the book. He could have reasoned that, Lord, wouldn't something else to survive, uh, uh, provide be just as good? As... He didn't reason with God. Rather, he settled and his servants and the head to Mount Moriah. And even as they start up the mount, when Isaac says, Lord, uh, Father, here, here's, here's the wood and the fire, and where's the sacrifice? Can you imagine from a father's point of view, has the answer? God will provide. God will provide. And as he binds him and lays him on the altar and begins ready to sacrifice him and only stayed by the hand of, of the angel. In every intent and purpose, Abraham obeyed the Lord. The book of James chapter 2 really uses this as an illustration of saving faith. In James chapter 2, and I, it's a great chapter, we, we sometimes read it to talk about our alien, our, our denominational friends who are not Christians and how that indeed the kind of faith that saves is more than just a faith only, but obedient faith. And that's great. But I want you to remember this text is rarely written to Christians. And so all of us who have maybe already obeyed the gospel, think about this. What's he really saying about us? He says it's more than just words. It's more than lip service. Verse 14, what is it profit, my brethren? If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what is a profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Only time in all the Bible you find the three words together by faith only. And here it says it's not by faith only, but rather by an obedient faith. And every time in this context you read the word works, if you just put the word obedience or to obey, it's really the idea. That's what he's trying to say, that there is an action if we have the kind of faith that saves. The faith that saves is the faith that obeys. But think about Abraham. Because he believed if God could give him a son at a time when Sarah was past age, if he could provide through that miracle the birth of Isaac, he could also provide, even if necessary. He was able to raise him up from the dead. What a sense of faith, a test of that faith. And when you stop and really sort of if you can walk in those shoes, I, I've tried to say, well, you know, at what age? Maybe uh, maybe you might say if his first death is as a young man, here's Trey, maybe young. God promised blessings. And you have life in front of you. Yeah. Can you say it? Well, now, a hundred years from now, I can, well, you may not live that long, but let's just say 
If you live to be as old as I am, would you still be faithful all those years? It's one thing to say as a young man, that's my purpose, but then Abraham walked. And I'm going to say Clay's kind of middle in between. He's about 25 years older and younger than me, older than you. But let's just say Abraham, then at age 100, has a child. There's the other test. How long will you be faithful? But then as an older person. Now would you put your child to death? Would you take that extreme walk? If God said, take him and offer him as a sacrifice, you could, you, you'd try to say, now, Lord, at my age, I've been faithful all these years at my age, Lord. Do you really think this is the right way? But Abraham staggered not with God's promise. Abraham obeyed at three steps. Well, all of us have various tests. We probably, not one of us, could say, I've walked like Abraham. We haven't had this kind of extreme of tests. How did Abraham do it? How is it? What keeps us going on? And I know everyone here, every adult, in your walk as a Christian, there will be times where the devil certainly can put in your way various kinds of tests. Your faith will be tested. How strong is it? Will you stand for the Lord regardless of the cost? What was it that enabled Abraham to be faithful? I suggest to you that if we look at the scripture, here's the key. In chapter 11 and in verse 13, he looked afar off. What does that mean? These died in faith, not having received the promises, and multitude had not yet been born. Abraham's descendants had not yet owned the land. It was only after they'd gone into Egypt and come out under the leadership of Moses and then Joshua that they ever had the land. So all the promises that God had made, but having seen them, can you see afar off? How many of us see indeed heaven as the destiny where we're walking, what we're striving for? Well, in reality, we've not. There's a literal way we say, no, I haven't seen God literally, and I haven't seen I haven't seen heaven literally. But in the sense of faith, in the sense of that I believe that if God said it, it will be accomplished. They were assured of this. There's the word, they embraced them. And they confessed that they were what? Strangers and pilgrims. We live in a, 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 a great period of time in one sense. As you know, we're living in a country that is prosperous. We all have plenty to eat. We have comfortable beds at night. We have in this world so many things, and then certainly in, in our generation's time, we are blessed like no people ever before. I mean, kings in the past didn't have what you and I have in this period of time. And because of that, it is so tempting for us to think in terms of laying roots for this world. You know, what's most important? Well, buy a home. I want to get that home just right, and I want to fix it just like I need it. And, we, we think if we're not careful, our whole type of hope and plans become more material than spiritual. We think in terms of the now rather than the now after. We think in terms of people who's going to be here a long time. So let's get these roots set. And I'm not saying it's wrong to make plans in the material way. But we have to recognize that we make those plans with really uh, a sight that looks beyond the moment. 
looks beyond what the hand can hold. They looked afar off, recognizing they were strangers. I referred a moment ago when we moved to Australia. We knew we weren't citizens of that country. It's a whole different kind of a thought about living there. We knew it was temporary. We knew it wasn't planned to be. And, and our citizenship was back in the United States of America, and we longed to come home. When we really think about as spiritually, we need to recognize we're not really, as Christians, citizens of earth striving for heaven, but we're citizens of heaven and sojourners on earth. As in Philippians chapter 1, where our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is not really, while we say, okay, I'm a citizen of the United States of America, we really have to recognize my destiny. And I'll tell you, here is, here is the way by which we are enabled to keep on keeping on. They could have returned. We can quit serving the Lord. We can stop putting him first. And like the rest of the world around us, you, you may really uh, seemingly uh, be successful. There are a lot of people in the world who, who are ungodly, and they seem to prosper materially. They eat, drink, and be merry, they think. But the truth is, it's only short life. It won't last forever. And the fact is, we all die, and we leave it behind. They could have returned. Abraham wasn't forced to stay where he was, but they didn't return. And you know, that passage in James chapter 2 that we read, he was called the friend of God. What a, what a statement to be made. I, I suppose most uh, people, or a lot of people, have either a, a son or a brother or someone in their family, many families, have people they're ashamed of. Can you imagine? Is God ashamed of you? that Abraham was called the friend of God. God is not ashamed to be called a friend. I say to you that these are the kind of statements that, it, that will enable us to walk as a people who are blessed to a privilege. And it'll help us no matter what the trial of faith we may have in our life, if we will look unto God and remember that just as he's promised, you be faithful to me, and I'll bless you regardless of what we do. These are the thoughts I want to kind of leave with you at this hour. I hope it will be a blessing to you and help you indeed in your own life to say, I'm going to always look to the Lord as the one who will keep us and bless us even as he's promised. Keep your sight set on the place of your destiny. Where are we going? What will be your eternal reward? Perhaps there might be one who needs to turn to the Lord. I, I don't know that in this audience there might be, but... We're going to sing this song, nevertheless, that uh, Daniel selected. And if there is some need that you have, then certainly let's be standing. Let's sing this. this